You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Got plenty to get you guys caught up on after a long week of Super Bowl celebrations here in Kansas City. We'll start things off with Out of Structure. After that, it's the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Then it's the Great British Chief Show. After that, we'll take a quick time out. And when we get back, we'll catch up with Chiefs Coast to Coast and finish things off with Show and BK. That was one of the big differences. The other things that we had scouted didn't really play out the way that I expected. So I said prior to this game, if the Chiefs were going to win this Super Bowl, they had to get out to the early lead. Mm-hmm. They had to they had to slow down the Eagles' rushing attack and make Jalen Hurts hurt him through the air because he he wasn't going to do that. <clears throat> Excuse me, Jalen Hurts was masterful in this game, both in the air and on the ground. Absolutely, he deserves all the credit in the world for his performance. Was uh, looked unflappable. Um, he had some great ball placement on some balls downfield. He had some that were. Not great, and, and they worked out in his favor because he's got elite receivers. But that offense was humming. They did exactly what they wanted to do, especially in the first half. Everything was turning up exactly how Sirianni and team probably drew it up at halftime. And a lot of Chiefs fans had to be sweating at that point. The Chiefs were down double digits. Patrick Mahomes is limping around. And, you know, it just it just didn't seem like – you know, it was going to be any different from the Eagles' other games this season. Something happened at halftime, and I don't know if it's the longer halftime when, when again, you have the – the. by the way, the, the creator of every major hit in the last 10 years, apparently, because every song that we're going to play, <laughs> I was like, this is – oh, yeah, this song. Oh, yeah, there's that other one. Like I know, banger uh, after banger. And it was the – Interesting to see a Super Bowl halftime show, by the way, with no cameos, no compilations, no like it was just her and, and she crushed it. That was amazing. But I think maybe the longer break there gave the Chiefs a chance to reset mentally, physically, come out like it's a different game in the second half. And it was. The Chiefs offense was virtually unstoppable in the second half, scored touchdowns on every single drive. And and you can say that they didn't score on that last drive, but Jarek McKinnon went sliding down to run clock and instead of scoring a touchdown. So the Chiefs could easily have been five for five in that second half on, on touchdown uh, scoring drives. The defense did just enough to win. I don't think they were dominant by any means, um, but you know they, they got a couple of big plays that, that turned the tide, and there was a big special teams play as well. So this was a, a full team win by the Chiefs. Uh, you've got to be excited about how they responded after being down 24-14. Yeah, let's go back to that point. You, you mentioned the 24-14 because y- you said some Chiefs fans are sweating. 
I was doing more than sweating, man. I was not feeling good. Uh, me and the wife were, were sitting there uh, feeling pretty down, um, pretty bad. Um, just because, you know, Mahomes twists that ankle and you see Nate Taylor, you know, shout out Nate Taylor. He tweets out he's never heard Mahomes scream in pain like that. I mean, when you see something like that, I'm just like, oh, are you serious? When he, when uh, he laid his head on the trainer uh, mm-hmm. in frustration and in pain, I yeah, I was a little worried at that point because he doesn't show the pain that way. <laughs> in previous you no know, and and it's paired with again nate's tweet where like i just feel like you know i nate's the kind of guy where you know i i trust his reporting and his credibility in terms of like if he notices a difference in you know pain scream and pain volume i'm i'm gonna take note of that but I, i'm I, I the thing with this game and i even tweeted out during it is the first half it it kind of felt like the tampa super bowl it really did where the defense just you know, they, they were getting some stops, but it just felt like they, they weren't doing, you know, they were just staying on the field, right? They weren't getting off the field enough. And the offense just wasn't taking advantage of their opportunities as much as they could. But in this game, especially, they just didn't have the ball a ton. But it, all those people who said that Rihanna had more time of possession than the Chiefs did in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome. I didn't know. I didn't hear that one, uh, which is true. Uh but that's the thing is is that Nick Bolton scoop and score, which, you know, let's just be 100% honest here. Fumble. Uh, you know, you can say, yeah, Bolton's, you know, pressuring, you know, getting on him quickly obviously does force him to, you know, move the ball. And that's what – so, hey, you know, obviously there is something to forcing the error, but it wasn't a true force fumble. But that's a huge play because if he does not get that play, you're – and, you know, I know different things happen where it maybe doesn't turn out to be this exact, exact score, but that's 24 to 7 at halftime stags and you're talking about a three point or three possession lead for an Eagles team, which you were just talking about how they, you can't let them get out to a, to a lead and stuff. I don't know, man, that, that, that Nick Bolton play, you know, very, you know, very good luck, very big luck. But that's one thing where I was kind of sweating going in the second half. I, I, I wonder what you think about this, but like, I was like, shoot, the defense already got their big play. Like we're, we're still down, but the defense already got that one big play they needed to get. That's where the offense now needs to step into gear because I don't think you can bank on the defense getting two of those, although they almost did, right? Right. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, that point. but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. You know, in, in a game like this, you, you're going to go toe to toe from offense to offense, and you know, I felt fairly confident coming in that the Chiefs' offense could move the ball against this defense. Um, I, I wasn't 100 percent confident that the Chiefs' defense could stop the Eagles, and so I, I felt like a shootout was possible. But yeah, in a shootout, you, you're you're banking on your defense getting one or two stops, or your special teams making make one or two plays. And the defense got that in the first half with Bolton's uh, uh, scoop fumble uh, touchdown, and then they had it again in the second half, although it got called back uh, as as we just discussed. That would have been a quite a turn of events had that uh, uh, had that played out because that was the Chiefs had just scored to get it to 24-21. And uh, the Eagles got the ball back. If they'd have turned that into a touchdown, uh, in addition to the other scores in the second half, they would have run away with this one. But, you know, the Chiefs' defense and special teams did pull out the plays. So, I mean, it was they had the one big defensive play in the first half, and you had the one big special teams play in the second half uh, with Kadarius Tony's punt return, the longest punt return in Super Bowl history in a huge moment. Uh, he reverses field runs past the entire punt coverage unit uh, with some really solid blocking, by the way. I noticed Marcus Marcus Kemp running from way back on that play 
and, and getting his hands on at least three Eagles on that return. Uh, there's a reason he got called up for uh, his special team's ability. But those are two of the biggest plays of the game, you know, from an individual play standpoint. The re- the offense was meticulous. The, you know, they were moving the ball down the field. They were They were very efficient in the way that they operated. But there weren't a lot of those just massive home run plays. It was the, those two may have been the biggest plays of the game in isolation. Yeah, no, I the Tony play was was amazing. The putt return was 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 amazing. I mean, uh, you know, that's that's why you go and get that kind of guy, that kind of ability in the open field, that first round ability. I mean, because for for anything else he does, for all the injury, you know, history or whatever, you get him with the ball in his hands in the open field. I mean, he can do stuff like that. And that's why Brett Veach, he, that's what he does. He, he gets good players. He gets guys that, Hey, when, when they're playing on the football field, I think they can really do something. And, you know, it's just, it's just a really, it's just another reinforcement of such a strong, uh, you know, how strong of a move or great of a move that was obviously he scores the touchdown later, but he did all that in like eight total snaps. Like he barely played last night, but he just, he, he just gets it done when he when he does have the opportunity. So shout out Kadarius Tony. Definitely excited for his future. But we talk about, you know, you individual players. Well, we got to talk about the individual player that took home the individual award, the game MVP, Patrick Mahomes. It was definitely an MVP type performance, man. Um, just gritty, you know, just toughing it out. I mean, obviously just throwing it. But and actually, I was just looking at the PFS stuff before we got started, but he only had one deep attempt the entire game. And it was actually, if, if everyone remembers, the MVS back shoulder throw was just a little wide. And Greg Olson did a good job on the broadcast mentioning that, uh, you know, that the it was actually MVS probably that just didn't widen his route enough. And Mahomes probably had the accurate pass there. Yeah, I think All that so, to too. say, Mahomes was just slicing them up over the second, you know, the intermediate part of the field, 10 to 20 yards down the field, you know, to Travis Kelsey, obviously, but obvi- to also to Juju Smith-Schuster in really important moments. But that doesn't, inc- you know, that that's his passing, right? But that doesn't include what he did on the ground as as well, which I know you were amazed with, uh, you know, seeing him take off a few times, especially down the stretch, man. Um, just one of the, just an unreal game for Mahomes. I mean, I don't know. Do we do we talk about ranking this among his Super Bowl performances? Because, you know, he didn't throw the pick that he had the the right. first Super Bowl, and this might be the best one. Yeah, I mean, you look at the stat line and you see 180, 182 yards passing. It's right. Like- it's a How remarkably low total for Mahomes, uh, but and he did get help from the defense and the special teams that, that kept those numbers down along with uh, the Eagles' time of possession. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, though. Didn't take a sack this entire game. And then you're right. When they needed a third down or they needed a conversion on the four-minute drive, Mahomes busts out the longest run of his 22 season, as, as you pointed out, but also – the longest quarterback run in Super Bowl history. Wow. A bad ankle running past Hassan Reddick. I just saw Dan Orlovsky bringing the, breaking this down, and he made that point. He pointed out the fact that they that as Mahomes leaves the pocket, he turns and looks at Reddick to kind of to say, Can I get past him? Like, is mm-hmm. is he right on me, or do I have a, that little space that how Mahomes is just, you know, a hair faster than whoever's chasing him? And in that moment, he realized he had to step on him and, and busted out that, that long run, ran away from, from Reddick uh, across the field. That was one of those plays, just like the run against the Bengals, where you say, you know, pain doesn't matter at this point. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be denied. 
Uh, and, and it's just one of those epic plays that you say, all right, that's the MVP. That's why he's the MVP. And it's, it's, he ran the offense efficiently. He was deadly accurate. One incompletion the entire second half is absurd. Um, but you know, as usual, he's spreading the ball around, you know, but, but to me, yeah, the, the grittiness of that run, just like against the, the Bengals was, uh, was the icing on the cake. Yeah, and he had 44 rushing yards overall on six carries. I mean, he he just had a, a this is these are the kind of that's the kind of box score you saw in like let's say that Bills game in the playoffs last year, or just in these other playoff games that we talked about were, were concerning is that maybe he couldn't get to that kind of yardage with the ankle because it is so important. And we saw, yeah. you know, when he can scramble, I mean, it's such a key part to this offense being efficient. And speaking of efficiency, you you brought this to my attention, but man. It turns out to be one of the best, efficient, most efficient performances of the entire season for the Chiefs offense. Um, Shield Capati of the Athletic had this. Chiefs had their best game by offensive success rate this season, and it was the sixth best of any team this year. So you mentioned the Mahomes having only 182 passing yards. It's just such a funny number, and, and us talking about like he had one of his best games. But with the run game, maybe this is where we can talk a little Pacheco too. Uh, you know, just the offensive line in general. I know you already mentioned the no sacks. I mean, this was a full team effort to to be this efficient. And it just, it kind of, the, the first half just had a few stalled drives that kind of, you know, masked what they were doing. But it just points to how good Andy Reid's game plan was, how, how well they were executing. But yeah, I mean, every facet of the offense really was doing what they were asked to do and it was working. So it was, I mean, that was awesome. It was great. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. It's a championship edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. It is a Valentine's Day edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Let's not forget about Valentine's Day as you're buying all your Super Bowl merch, right? We got to make sure we take care of the, the girlfriends and the boyfriends out there. Get them some chocolates, some flowers, and, and whatever. All right, let's get into our, our marinated takeaways about this Super Bowl. A little more casual today. Usually we'll have to write down three, but we're just going to have a, a basic discussion about, A, this championship game, and then, B, just the season as a whole. And, and, and John, I'll, I'll cast a wide net for you here. What did you make of, <laughs> of both? What did you make of both? Uh, it was an incredible season. Uh, lots of terrific memories, lots of terrific games, some head scratching moments here and there, but capped off with a fantastic performance across the board. The team was great in all three phases. Uh, the coaching was superb, uh, lots of smart play calling on both sides. Um, and then to me, one of the most interesting things from the game in terms of individual plays mm -hmm. was Kadarius Tony's punt return uh in the fourth quarter which of course ended up being the longest punt return in in super bowl history there's a couple of things about this i i actually asked pete to ask uh, andy Reid about this this morning and we didn't get a good answer about it oh. but i've looked at the the broadcast footage a couple of times and i'm not entirely sure that they didn't plan that play to go up the right side of the field and tony didn't you know, fake the other way just to get people, get them uh, going that direction because that wall built really fast and either they were planning on it to some extent, or those blockers had eyes in the back of their heads. I don't know. I don't know which it was. And we won't get an opportunity to talk to Dave to probably until 
nobody will want to be interested in knowing August. about it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was a great play. And I, I the other thing about this is that um, Tobe was acting like he had something up his sleeve when he spoke to the broadcast crew before the game. And they mentioned that during the broadcast. And I and yeah. I wonder now if. Uh, if maybe they had something on for that play that contributed to its success. Well, it was the longest punt return in Super Bowl history. It was 65 yards, I believe. Yeah. And I just think one, a one point lead against that team, you wouldn't have felt as secure with the one point lead. It was just too much of a seesaw game. Now mm-hmm. the chiefs ended up going up eight points at that that stage and i i just wonder what a super bowl would have looked like had they only gotten three points out of that when tony brings you to the doorstep you're gonna score six and i just think it made it a a different feeling game you felt a lot better john as a chiefs fan given the fact that the eagles got the ball and they were great all night on offense and then the most that they could do at that point was tie it and so it gave a little bit of security as a chiefs fan yeah absolutely and and i I think a lot of Chiefs fans this season have been ready to give up on Dave Tobe and and say, we don't need Dave Tobe to be aggressive. And I I say again, what I've said before is that Dave Tobe isn't being aggressive because he's a rogue actor. He's being aggressive because Andy Reid wants him to be aggressive. You know, he's not, he's not doing things that Andy Reid doesn't want him to do. And I think that's what you see that sometimes it doesn't pay off. And sometimes and especially at a big moment like this, it does. Let's bring in Steve now, our, our great Arrowhead Pride podcast producer. Great time to say, hey, Steve, thank you for all the, the work on making this channel what it was in, oh, in 2022 yeah. and 23. I, I think we continue to build by adding shows, and uh, and obviously the reviews reflected that. I helped a little bit with that cake. I don't want to, I don't want to take any credit for it, maybe, <laughs> maybe 5% of the credit. But it's just been a, a fantastic lineup that we've had. The Arrowhead Drives that you produce every day have, have been great. And so thank you to you for that. Let's go to you about this Super Bowl season and the championship and, and what you made of this game between the Chiefs and the Eagles. I mean, first off, incredible season. And thank you for the praise, Pete. Um, uh, everybody on our team at Arrowhead Pride is spectacular. And everybody does fantastic work. And everybody grinds and busts their butts all all season long to try to give you guys the best coverage that we can possibly put together. And so we really appreciate you guys listening to everything that we're doing on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Um, As far as the season goes, man, I I think I've been thinking about this and processing this since Sunday, and you can point to the Super Bowl loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as – you know, the real turning point for this version of this Chiefs team where, you know, I, I know they didn't trade Tyreek Hill until the following season, but after that Super Bowl, there was an acknowledgement uh, within the organization that what we put out there in that game wasn't good enough. And, you know, maybe Patrick Mahomes is so great that he's always going to have us in those games, even when the roster isn't good enough. But they came to the realization that they were top heavy and there was not enough depth on that team to overcome the injuries that they suffered that season. 
And so really, this has all been what they've been building towards over the last couple of years. And that starts with you know, hitting on draft picks, but it's also about developing players and credit to Brett Veach and their staff and the guys that they identified and the contributors that they added over the last two years, whether it was through trades or whether it was through the NFL draft. And then the chiefs coaching staff was brilliant this season, in my opinion. And, you know, Dave Tobe did have some struggles, but he came up huge in the Super Bowl. And <laughs> As long as the NFL is going to continue to poach everybody else's coaching staffs and, and let Andy Reid keep this group together, I, I think the Chiefs are going to be in a really good situation moving forward because we see the 49ers get their coaching staff just shredded every offseason. Now it's the Eagles this year, and mm -hmm. the Chiefs are just going to keep bringing these guys back. And they they got a bunch of draft picks. They got some money to play with this offseason and I'm not really sure what's happening there with the rest of the NFL, but if they want to continue to do it, then let them because this franchise is in just a really, really good spot right now. I agree. And a big part yeah. of that is Brett Veach. In my rea rapid reaction to this game, I just I couldn't believe just the impact that Brett Veach, and, and he will be quick to point to his college scouting and his team, and you've got to really give credit to the whole team, but Veach is ultimately the guy pulling mm -hmm. the trigger just the impact that Brett Veach had on this game. I think the Chiefs went into this game and this year looking at it as a transitional year. They still thought they could make the playoffs, but I don't think they they really truly felt this was possible. But like, let's get close. Let's see what happens. And it ended up being really a a season that we're used to, where they just were the the best team very clearly in the AFC. I know the Bills and the the Bengals beat them. I know that they were right there, but. In all their other games, they put together enough wins to have more wins than the Bengals could have had. We know what happened with the Buffalo Bills, but they dropped the ball by losing that game to the Bengals. So I still think the Chiefs were the best team in the AFC. But clinching that by and then doing it with, as Steve, you mentioned, and I thought this was a cool moment where Sam Melliger came out from his, his Royals umbrella yesterday and he said that that Therese had told Brett Veach, Therese Paler, a friend of, of Arrowhead Pride, Therese had told Brett Veach that he would write about how that Bucks loss and that disaster really led to the Super Bowl title and, and your next Super Bowl title. And obviously a lot of emotions come with that, the, the late, great Therese mm -hmm. Paler. But I, yeah. I think he was right on. I just think Brett Beach went back and he said, this will never happen when we have Patrick Mahomes again with just no protection. And he rebuilt that offensive line by signing Joe Tooney, drafting Creed Humphrey, drafting Trey Smith, adding left tackle Orlando Brown. I know he's a very polarizing figure, but he was – good enough to get it done in, yeah. in the Super mm -hmm. Bowl. And then you have the defensive backs. Man, the Fab Five. What an amazing unit this had been for the Chiefs. Not only Trent McDuffie, but Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams, what Brian Cook is going to be able to do or was able to do this season, will be able to do as he moves. I, you know, I don't I don't think Juan Thornhill is necessarily back next year, so it's going to be the Cook show. We don't even know about Najee Johnson yet, but the defensive backs that had a role. Kadarius mm -hmm. Tony. The trade you got Kadarius Tony for three, you know, two two draft picks, I should say, and two mid round picks, and you never know in the NFL draft if, you, if you're going to hit or not. Brett Feech has been great, but there 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 will be drafts in the future where they're a little weaker. That's you know that'll happen. That just tends to happen. So you never know. And you got this player for two mid round picks. You saw what Tony can do when he's healthy, both with the touchdown. I know he was wide open, and then really changing the game as we already discussed with that 65 yard return. Sky Moore. Your second round rookie is the other guy who gets into the end zone 
and a Nick Bolton who's a second-year player. And you were betting on Bolton to take over for Anthony Hitchens. That's what you designed. And I thought a key play in this game was when Kenny Gainwell had that ball in open space. And how many yep. missed tackles have we seen the Chiefs have yeah. this year? Mm-hmm. And for seemingly the whole game, it felt like the Eagles said to themselves, now, nah, you know, it's time for us to get a first down. And we're, and got the first down. And then suddenly Bolton makes that tackle. They send the field goal unit on. And you're like, okay, all right. This defense can stop them. And they were good mm-hmm. for the rest of the game from that point. I, I just think Nick Bolton has been such a, a leader for this team. At times criticized around the Kansas City local media, whatever you want to call it. And I think unrightfully so. I think the Chiefs made the right call by letting him take over for Anthony Hitchens. It's going to be a very interesting conversation when his contract comes up because he's just been a fantastic player for the Chiefs. And really, if they were to keep him around, he is steaming ahead for that Derek Johnson tackle record, ultimately. Mm -hmm. I know it's a a long time away, but he is just everywhere. He's everywhere, and he he makes every tackle that he possibly can. 16 and 17 tackle games for Bolton this year, I just thought was so impressive. Later in the show, we won't be taking a look at this week's power rankings and we won't be reviewing next week's opponents because your Kansas City Chiefs are on top of the pile. But first, get this lion. He's the king of the jungle. Huge mane out there. He's laying down under a tree in the middle of Africa. He's so big. He's so hot. He doesn't want to move. Now, the little lion comes, they start messing with him. Biting his tail, biting his ears. He doesn't do anything. The lioness, she starts messing with him, coming over, making trouble. Still, nothing. Now, the other animals, they notice this. And they start to move in. The Eagles are going to win this game because of Ante Maddox is a beast. Josh Sweat is a beast. Sweaty beast at that. Hassan Reddick is a beast. Fletcher Cox is a beast. The big beast. Chauncey Gardner Johnson is a beast. Darius Big Play Slay is a beast. The jackals, hyenas, the barking at him, laughing at him. Javon Hargrave is a beast. Jalen Hurts is a beast. Dallas Goddard is a beast. They nip his toes and eat the food that's in his domain. They do this and they get closer and closer and bolder and bolder. Where are Watkins is that? Miles Sanders is that? Devontae Smith is that? Eagles gonna win the game. That's a good thing, ain't it? Because they got a whole bunch of. Until one day, that lion gets up and tears the shit out of everybody. Coach, it happened again. That's right, Patrick. It happened again. The Chiefs are Super Bowl champions once more. Tom... This has been such an, an amazing weekend for us, but I mean, we'll, we'll we'll go into that in a minute. But this for the whole kingdom has just been something that as it's something that dreams are made of, isn't it? You never thought in your wildest dreams that we would ever see the Chiefs, even like win one 
Super Bowl trophy. Now we've got another one. We've got two. In fact, we've got three. Because let's not forget about the 1969-71 as well. This weren't meant to happen. It's not, is it? <laughs> like, y'all weren't meant to do this. Like, <laughs> this, this was a transition year. Like, I know I predicted it. Like, kudos to me. And I know I predicted it in the exact way that it happened, by the way. Again, you know, high five me. Well done, you never Tom. mentioned it, mate. You never mentioned but, it. But, but did I truly believe it? Nah, not this year. <laughs> not in a retooling year. Not in a year where we lost Tyreek Hill, Tyron Matthew. Got Lord knows how many veterans. Basically rebuilt the secondary. Kids at linebacker, basically. Receivers that no one wanted or heard of. Questions about some of the players as well that we had. Questions know. about the coaches. Yeah. We got a kicker that had the worst year of his career. But it doesn't matter. Because guess what? When it mattered most, this team put it all together. And done what great teams do. Go out and win the freaking Super Bowl. Like, <laughs> come on. I just... I'm over the moon. Like we're, what we're recording this Tuesday evening, so uh, a whole 24 hours before the parade kicks off. Apologies, we can't we can't record during the parade like for this release because I'm going to Arsenal Man City. But that's the only time oh, I'm going to mention Arsenal. The alarms off again. It's the only time I'm going to mention Arsenal on the podcast. That can wait till next year. Basically, when we come back for next season, I'm hoping that I'm going to start the podcast with me like anointing myself as like the all world sports supporter that I support the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl champions and the Premier League champions Arsenal but anyways that's the last time I'm mentioning the Arsenal on this podcast for this season but they won the Super Bowl and two days later we're sitting here and I am still over the moon I am exhausted from from (laughs) this weekend like to go to Dublin watch Super Bowl get hardly any sleep drink far too much fly home last night go to work today get showered out at work all day, come back here, record this podcast with you. I am done. I am physically and mentally done. I am so ready to check out, but I don't care because what's keeping me going right now is the big smile on my face, knowing and just just over the moon, the fact that the Chiefs won the Super Bowl and they won the Super Bowl in a year when everyone said they absolutely had no right to do it. Like, this is just the best. It is the best. I, I'm just like, you, you're looking at me right now. Dimples <laughs> are out there. Like, I have massive dimples anyway. But honestly, the grin I have on my face right now, dimples, full-on craters in the side of my face. I don't even care because the, the, the Chiefs are champions. I think the most I've seen you happiest was obviously the time when we were in Miami, actually at the Super Bowl. This is obviously a very close second. Seeing your face right now, you are beaming from ear to ear about this, aren't you? I mean, it seems to me as well. I mean, obviously, we 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 enjoyed our time in Dublin. We had a great time. It was such a, a party atmosphere. It was a good celebration of football. All of the crew from our heads abroad were there. Um, and it was just a fantastic occasion. Now, we will get into the game and we will talk about it. And and, and we'll probably talk about it from, for months to come right now. Um, but you're right. Let's just start back right from the beginning. This team did, wasn't given a hope in hell. We had so many media pundits all saying 
the Chiefs had done. This is it. They, everybody else, like you said, of retooling. The Broncos have been getting stronger. The Raiders. I mean, Robert Griffith III said that the Chiefs are no longer the best offense in the AFC West. Never mind the AFC. It's now the Raiders are going to be the best in the AFC West because they had Devontae Adams. And it was just comments like that that just seemed to build up and build up and build up over this time that, yes, the fans had heard it, but clearly the team itself, the players themselves, took that on them and thought, I'm just going to make a note of that. Let's keep these receipts. Let's do what we do, and let's make sure that we have got the best chance of getting to another playoff, another Super Bowl, and proving everybody wrong. And that is exactly what they did. The mentality of this team to do that, even in the rookies, to instill that 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 kind of mantra in the rookies to be a Super Bowl champion is that I mean, the coaching wise, this has to be some of the best coach teams we have ever seen because of that mentality aspect, because Everybody was zoned in. Everybody was locked in. Everybody knew the prize at the end. But they they were fueled by all of the haters, all of the doubters. And they made sure they crossed that line. And it was a very minute line right at the end, wasn't it? Compared when you look at the, obviously the, the the game and the the shootout that it was. I mean, we keep laughing about, you know, games being shootouts and stuff. And there's always that meme that we put in. But it was a shootout. It was a pure shootout. And, mate, I, I am so excited to see what this team can go on from next. Before, yeah. when we won the first Super Bowl for, for 50 years, I was thinking, right, where does this team go from now? Because we we had some veterans in that team, quite quite heavily led on, the, on a lot of the veterans. And I thought, you know, if we keep them for another year or two, maybe we'll probably get back to another one. And we did. But I am so confident in the future of this team because of the rookies that we've got there, because of the players, because of the mentality they've got now, because they've also got the confidence that they are Super Bowl champions. They can now go on and do greater things. This team is suddenly becoming the team that everybody wants to go to, to get a ring. Look at Juju Smith-Schuster. He never thought he was, that was probably going to be his best chance of getting on a team that was going to be realistically a Super Bowl contender. But he didn't think it was going to be this year. I don't think he thought it was this year. But all of a sudden now, we've got, like I said, these rookies have, have kind of backed it up. They're now confident. They, they want to go for another one. They clearly want to go for another one. Yeah. Um, but it's going to attract quite a number of veterans as well, some great players that want to go and play with this team because Patrick Mahomes has also proved that he can do it without the star players. Yes. And yes. he has spread it around and... I'm I'm going to get into it in the I'm going to get into it in the game as well because how this team can just change and up the gears and change the levels change yep. the receivers you know if if you lock down somebody they go to somebody else I mean it's Andy Reid's play calling yep. just is just magnificent I mean that was very much on show in this game this was an yep. absolute masterclass from Andy Reid Let me jump in let me jump in yeah, like jump you touched in. on you touched on something there about how this team almost like you didn't use the word, but what you were leaning into was defiance almost defiance against the media, defiance against the haters. And this team showed a defiance against history on Sunday in the Super Bowl. Like they were 10 points down at halftime. And then this stat popped up 
own like teams that were 10 points plus up at halftime in the Super Bowl were 26 and one. The one being the New England Patriots to beat the Falcons in that epic comeback, the famous 28 free game. And the Chiefs, yet again, Mahomes, yet again, mounts another double digit comeback, another playoff double digit comeback, another Super Bowl double digit comeback. That cannot be understated how big of an achievement this is. It must be unbelievably draining to play this team knowing that you can give them your absolute best and the eagles did that in the first half outside of the jalen hurts um fumble the eagles were phenomenal in the first half and i'll admit i will admit i thought this game was done at halftime i remember saying to you that because we were obviously with a group of Chiefs fans inside of a pub full of NFL fans. So the pub was absolutely round. There must have been a couple of hundred people in there. 170 of them were loving Rihanna at halftime, singing their hearts out. <laughs> 30 of them were miserable as sin. And I was alone being the only Chiefs fan enjoying the Rihanna halftime show. And I turned around to you and I said to you, I said, I'm going to enjoy this 13 minutes of Rihanna because the next two hours are going to be shit. And because I, I was that convinced that this team was done with Mahomes getting injured and he looked really hurt. It, like it, we hadn't seen that from him. We've obviously seen him injured, but it was that he looked like, oh my gosh, not again. How am I going to get past this? It was like he honest, the way that he was consoling into Rick Burkholder. I honestly thought we're going to see Chad, Chad Henney in the second half. Or if we do see Mahomes, we're going to see that like that hobbled version that we saw against the Jacksonville Jaguars in the second half. And that version of Mahomes wouldn't be good enough to beat the Philadelphia Eagles, especially with the way that they were playing. They were playing so well. So for the team to come out in the second half and put together one of the greatest second half performances in playoff history, the way they, they did, it must be horrible for other teams knowing that that is the juggernaut that they have to get past knowing that if you want to be a team like Kansas City you want to be a team like Patrick Mahomes a coach like Andy Reid who wasn't very good in the first half I must add Andy Reid he did not have a good first half but in the second half they showed everything everything that makes this team great and just having one exceptional first half of football was enough to be the other number one seed, it's not like it's a six seed, the other number one seed who played an excellent game for 90% of the thing, but their 90% of their game wasn't good enough to beat the Chiefs only playing one half of exceptional football. That must <laughs> be a terrifying, terrifying proposition for teams going forward because he's done it on one leg now. He's done it against the best teams and he continues to show that if you talk crap at him, he's unbelievably petty and they do notice everything. So you don't want to pass off the chase. That's the thing about Mahomes, you touched on it. He is, it, it is petty Mahomes, isn't it? it, it it's a nickname that seems to be coming out now. But he was asked about that in um, at a press conference, Super Bowl press conference. And they were saying, do you listen to all of the, you know, all of the comments and you do you actually keep receipts? Um, and he said, yeah, 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 I do keep receipts, but I don't, 
I don't mention it. I don't say it. I use it. And then I, I go out and do my football and then, you know, it kind of just quietens out after that. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the true. Michael Jordan thing, isn't it? Where like, yeah. you know, can, can you imagine Patrick Mahomes sitting there making stuff up in his head like Michael Jordan used to do? Like when he <laughs> in the last dance. It became personal with me. Yeah. You imagine, yeah, I'm sure I, he does. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, obviously, you got to start with the Nick Bolton scoop and score, right? I think that's probably the, the obvious one that most people are going to predict. Uh, at that point, you're down 14 to 7. Looks like Aaron froze on me. Hopefully, he can hear me. Can you hear me, Aaron? You got me? Bro. <laughs> that's my bad. I, I don't know what happened. I'm sitting here in the same position. That's crazy. Okay. <laughs> biggest plays for Super Bowl 57. And you said, well, obviously. <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, the first one is the Nick Bolton scoop and score, right? Yeah. That's probably going to be the one everybody mentions uh, for obvious reasons. At that point, you're down 14 to 7. You tie it up. You get the momentum back. I, I think that really kind of evened the game out from that point on. So, definitely shout out to him on that one. Uh, the second one I'm going to mention is probably one that people really won't remember. And I'm going to remember it, though. Remember when Hertz was rolling out to the outside and Colin Saunders chased him down? It was actually yeah. technically a sack because he that lost was the, the first yard. sack of the game. Yeah. Yeah. But for a guy of that size to be that nimble to reroute Jalen Hurst's direction to force him to go out of bounds and not get any yardage. And they were in Chiefs territory at that point. So that was a crucial point in the game, man, that people won't, like I said, won't remember it that much because it's not a flashy play. But I thought that was definitely huge for them not to get any more yards while they're already in Chiefs territory at that point. So that one, because I think they ended up putting on that drive, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So they, they didn't even get in field goal range. And then the last one, I mean, this is the obvious one too, right? The Mahomes scramble on the last drive. Yeah. Yeah, to get yourself in field goal range, to keep, keep the clock going. And at that point, you have full control of the outcome of the game. Then obviously, I mean, the McKinnon play, that's an extra bonus on that drive as well. The awareness to slide and milk the clock to where the Eagles only had eight seconds to do something with the football, which is, you know, you can't do really do much with eight seconds to go. So those would be the plays that stood out to me. Yeah, I'm going to overlap with you on the Nick Bolton play. Got a shout out to Tiger. I mean, first Mizzou Tiger to ever score in the Super Bowl. Biggest play of the game. And it was, as I mentioned earlier, the one mistake that it seemed like Jalen Hurts made to that point, and it immediately turned into points for Kansas City. If he fumbles and KC recovers and gets three out of it, completely different ball game, completely different outcome potentially. Um, the fact that the ball, and I was talking with this with Matt Derrick in the press box, the fact that the ball bounced so perfectly to Nick Bolton, like usually they coach players in those situations, hey, just fall on it. You, yeah. You're not the most athletic guy. You're not going to scoop and sc Like just fall on it, get possession back for the offense and let 15 go out and get it. It bounces perfectly into his hands. He scoops it up and goes into the end zone. That's got to be a key play right there. Here's one that's off the beaten path that maybe not a lot of people will highlight. I went back into the in, into the game log to get it right. It is third and one on Casey's first drive of the second half. 
And Jarek McKinnon gets that little fullback dive play that goes for 14 yards, and they end up getting a touchdown on that drive. KC needed seven on that drive. Had they gotten three or nothing, it, it, it's a different game. It's a different ball game. The momentum was all in favor of, of Philadelphia at that time, and you felt like if KC didn't get seven specifically, that it was going to be tough sledding for them to come back. That play gets them the first first down of that drive, which we all know is the hardest when you're trying to mount a comeback. Get that first first down. They get the first first down. They end up getting seven on that drive. An absolute monster one. And then I'll say Sky Moore's touchdown. His first touchdown in his professional career comes in Super Bowl 57. We know it was kind of like a mirror of the Kadarius Tony play where they basically have Kelsey bluff over the middle and you use your speed guys. I think eventually it was revealed that Sky Moore was actually lined up on the wrong side uh, <laughs> and still ended up scoring. Uh, I think what's really cool about this question, best play, and I see a couple people in here chiming in uh, with their best play. It could be a couple plays for Kansas City, Mark, really. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's not just one that stands. Obviously, Nick Bolton and some of those big ones, but you could pick from three or four that were, that were big, important plays. Yeah, you know, surprisingly, one that you didn't mention that I thought you would, and, and I didn't mention it because I didn't want to have a, too much overlap, is the Kadarius Tony punt return. The punt return, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's the longest punt return in Super Bowl history. And he's been a guy that we've been waiting to see who's going to pop one all year, right? Because he dances so much. He's like, get north and south, right? Man? <laughs> he danced a little bit, and then he finally went north to south, man. And that was a huge, huge play. So, yeah. And up, I remember tweeting it out because I, we I was kind of monitoring his snap count to that point. Uh, there was a point in the game, kind of in that third quarter, where he had only played one offensive snap. They tried to get him the ball another time, and there was a penalty that kind of ruined that play. I was like, what's going on with KT? Are they saving him for something? Is he not 100% healthy? Obviously, he wasn't 100% healthy, but that punt return paired with the Nick Bolton plays, those are basically touchdowns, Mark. I mean, pretty yeah. much you got a you got a defensive touchdown and a special teams touchdown to go along with what Mahomes and then gave you. Um it it, it, it those were a lot of big plays and, and crucial plays. I see a couple people chiming in. Chiefs fan in Colorado says Colin Saunders is underrated by the fans. Just my two cents. Maybe he's somebody that gets his uh gets his full due this offseason, maybe somewhere else. Have no doubt in the Chiefs' ability to run it back this time. Uh, not as many moving pieces from Chiefs fan in Colorado. Um, nobody brings up the three-pointer Harrison Butker missed. And let's let's hop in on that really quick. I don't have this on the rundown, but there's a lot of different stuff we can we can bounce around to. Did you like that decision to, to, to kick it there? I, I tweeted out something in a moment, but I want to get your thoughts. Uh, KC, I believe it was 7-7 at the time. KC was trying to go up 10-7 and Butker misses. Well, what were your thoughts on that decision? Yeah, so I mean it'll be it'll be easy to do a you know a hindsight 2020 reaction, but in the moment I didn't have no problem with it. I think it was what fourth and three, I believe. You got a 42, 43 yarder. I mean, that's a that's an average kick for an NFL quarterback, NFL kicker. 42 yarder, have, yeah. Yeah, they, they should be able to make. And I mean it's early in the game. I don't want to have to chase points and then you look back and you don't get it, and you're like, wow, I wish we'd have those three points early on in the second quarter. So I thought it was the right decision. I think people only only saying that because he missed it in the moment. I don't think people were saying let's go for it on fourth and three. I, I just I don't think it was that type of situation for me. Yeah, we know how aggressive Philly is, and Sirianni's always going for it on fourth down. So when you don't go for it on fourth down or make what's seen as a 
eh, I won't conservative. say conservative <laughs> move. Yeah, it, but Butker had been clean up to that point. Realistically, we come on this pod the last two the last two rounds and said we trust him again. We have faith in him again. He's shown us that he can hit it. The guy sent you to the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. realistically, and it was a forty-two yarder. It, it, it doinked off the post. I, nine times out of ten, I'm usually the guy that's like, "Go for it, go for it." You got fifteen. It's three yards. In that situation specifically, I thought it was very early in the game. Let me, let me get out the specifics here. First quarter, fourth and three from the Philadelphia twenty-four. Uh, the operation looked good. Snap looked good. Hold looked clean. He just missed it, and and ultimately you had to come back to him in the biggest point of the game, and and he that faith in him paid off. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it also helped that it was like a 20-yarder as well, right? <laughs> I mean, if he missed that one, I mean, that guy would have been looking for a job right now, right? Can we talk about the ending? Can we talk about the ending a little bit? Because I, I, I understand, and I've been listening to a lot of national media and a lot of people digesting this game. We're talking about Super Bowl 57 here on Chiefs Coast to Coast Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Um, the hold on what was it what was his name bradbury yeah james bradbury oh uh, james bradbury I, I get i get what the frustrations are right we were we were witnessing an epic duel between the two best teams in the league this year and basically essentially we were robbed of seeing jalen hurts have an opportunity to give his t- team the chance to either extend the game or win the game chiefs kingdom doesn't give a flying you know what about that you know like obviously they don't care yeah and to me it was the right call but it does kind of leave that if you're just a casual fan, if you're just a spectator of the sport, if you just want to see two teams duel it out and last last person with the ball wins, it is kind of sour that like ah the end game basically played out from there because KC was probably going to kick a field goal anyway, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get the frustration. It was third down. It would have been fourth down. It would have kicked the, kicked the field goal from a little further out, and the Eagles would have plenty of time to at least get in field goal range and potentially forced overtime. And we would have saw the new overtime rules for the first time in the playoffs, in, right? In the Super Bowl, In too. the Super Bowl. That would have been crazy. <laughs> that would have been really crazy. So as a casual fan, I could get why you were probably rooting for that, to see how that would have played out, especially on the biggest stage possible. Um, but it was the right call. But the thing about it is, like, just as a casual fan, I'm taking off my, my red glasses. Can you do that? Can you do that? Is that possible for you? It's so hard. <laughs> but I would do it. I'm, I'm, I'm a professional, so I can do it. I can switch hats. I, I do think the inconsistency is a problem because if you remember early in the game, Bradbury held on Juju in the, early in the game, and they didn't call that one. I liked that as a no call. I'm going to be honest. Really? To I me, didn't. That was, that was more egregious than the one in the fourth quarter. See, I didn't think that one was too egregious. It was way too early in the game, and realistically, eh, I didn't see, I didn't see Juju sell it enough. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't see him really go into it. I, I, I to me, I saw it as a no call. It was the first quarter. It's the Super Bowl. Punt the ball and play football. Like, yeah, I didn't. That's a third down. That, that could be potentially a scoring drive if you call that. So Well, you so, got the one when it mattered the most. I mean, if you had to choose between the two, I think he got the one that mattered. Well, yeah. But, yeah. but at the time, I didn't think I didn't know that was gonna happen. So, you know, but them not calling that one probably led Bradbury to think 
oh, I can get away with this because this is how they're calling the game. You know, you want to see how the refs are calling the game early in the game to kind of fill it out, you know. So he's like, oh, I've been doing this all game. So they're not going to call it now, obviously, in the most crucial moment of and the game. And usually they don't. Usually they <laughs> swallow their whistles in those type of situations. It's very rare that, that refs will insert themselves into the final crucial deciding moments of a Super Bowl like that. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it was the right call. But it was the fact that they weren't consistent throughout the game with that call is why people are probably upset. It's a Cheffers crew. I mean, we expected consistency. I thought I thought I thought y'all knew what time it is, what time it was when y'all saw what the official. That's the funny thing because he's supposed to be anti-Chiefs, right? Chiefs fan in Colorado has got a lot of good points. This says have no problem with the call. They missed a big one earlier, which we talked about. The Eagles defense got exposed when the scheme changed up and they could not adapt. And Nick Jacobs does a great job with his eye on the sky for KSHB 41. He pointed it out pregame. Philly is really bad when you show pre-snap motion. Andy Reid, that's one of his calling cards. Anytime he's got that pre-snap, I mean, on both of those touchdowns, the, the Sky Moore one and the Kadarius Tony one, both pre-snap motion plays that Philly absolutely struggle with. I mean, walk-in touchdowns, basically, for both of those guys. Yeah. Um, let's stick with Juju and, and that one more time while we're here. Uh, I'm sure you saw. I'm sure you saw the tweets. You always on Twitter, yeah. so of course you saw the tweets. I was ready to get into that. Here, yeah, here we go. Oh God, you you so messy, dog. You so messy. You so messy. <laughs> we are the champions. <laughs> no time for loot. <laughs> <laughs> And slam champagne. Has that been open since Sunday? We are the champion. Is that champagne or wine? I can't tell. That's champagne, baby. And it looks pretty empty. So either you slam that whole bottle or that thing's been sitting around since Sunday when you cracked it. I've been drinking it, baby. I'm having a great time, baby. The champ, baby. Cheers. Shout out. Cheers. Shout out, baby. Let's go. I got Shout my out. Russell's 10 for tonight. Oh, yeah, what, a, what a night. Another highlight. That's the third, oh, that's the third one, baby. Oh. oh, it feels good. It feels damn good, baby. As, I haven't uh, had as, a black and mild in so long. Oh, there you go. That's what that is. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a grape swish and sweet. But listen, you know, I don't, I've never been one as I sit here with this, this bottle of W. Donaldson. Uh, it's out of Sonona, California. Shout out. <laughs> Oh, um, is that where you? That's where you went week one. Perfect. No, this Napa is, Valley. My cousin Daphne <laughs> brought this over. Shout out. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't like to toot my own horn, folks. <clears throat> but I want to say this right now. Any of you all who's ridden and rode with uh, myself uh, and us even before showing BK on the Chiefs on Arrowhead Pride, the absolute best Chiefs podcast out there. Uh, no debates. Um, Show curse is dead. There are many of you out there <clears throat> who have I'm gonna take my glasses off that none of you can see on the podcast. But I'm getting serious here. How many of you have come out and talked about, oh God, oh this show curse is terrible? Uh show predicted. Oh boy, the Royals, they'll be all right as long as they don't have a major injury and then Salvador Perez fell out of flight there and hurt himself. That actually you, happened. That's and you blame that on me. <laughs> you blame that on me. The Chiefs lined up and played the Los Angeles Chargers on a Thursday night football game when they were retiring 
the number and the or the name and putting Tony Gonzalez in the ring of honor. And I said, I'm showing up and I'm going out there and the Chiefs will win. I guaranteed it. They lost in the craziest way in the craziest <laughs> fashion to Philip Rivers and the damn Chargers. <laughs> Some people here in Tennessee or in, in, here in Houston, since I've moved here, every coach and every general manager has been fired of all the professional teams. <laughs> the Rockets, Texas. <laughs> the Rockets, Texans. And the Astros. There was a cheating scandal that I rolled into. <laughs> Deshaun Watson got real nasty as soon as I rolled in. Mind you, remember who my favorite player in the NFL was. It's Deshaun Watson. <laughs> He's somebody I wanted. And look what the hell happened to him. The Houston Texans have been picking in the top three for the last damn near every year I've been here. They've won 10 games total. <laughs> the Houston Rockets are well on their way to receiving the third time in a row, having the worst record in the NBA. That's all upon my arrival. There was one time where I said, there's no way that the Houston Texans are going to allow Derrick Henry to rush three straight games for over 200 yards. And there's no way they're going to allow him to get to 230 to get to 2000. He got there before the fourth quarter. <laughs> Many of you have put out other things. I can hear Josh Vernier right now coming up with more things to say there's some kind of show curse. Well, I'm here to tell you, boys, what did I do before this playoff started? Major nerves. I told you what was going to happen. I said before Jacksonville, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win their third title. They're going to win their second title in five years, and I will be damned. If they didn't, daddy was right. I was right the whole way. And so I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I do want to say the show curse is dead. None of you, none of your sons of guns better not ever tweet me or any of that. Oh, the show curse is real. Oh, the show curse. It's not. It is over. I was right. And in the great words, before I turn it over to you, BK, of the great, Philosopher Ace Ventura. Damn, I'm tired of being right. <laughs> uh, first of all, well done, well earned, well deserved, my I've friend. I've been waiting for this moment. You put yourself out there going into the divisional round. Myself and Serta did not know you were doing it. You just completely went out on a whim and suddenly you were guaranteeing the chiefs to win the super bowl. Um, I didn't see that coming. And then I picked against them in the conference championship game. And that also went poorly. I I would like it to be known. I also picked them in the super bowl. And I was so, so staunchly in support of the chiefs winning that game that as they were down double digits at halftime, I bet on them on the money line. And Ron, I think that two negatives created a positive here. And the reason why is because I've earned myself the nickname, the BKO here in St. Louis. And the reason why is because I was correct on 33% of my bets this year. 33%. Do you know how hard that is? A typical sports better wins about 40% of the time. A good one wins about 50 to 55% of the time. I was at 30% this year. That's not good. We did. 
We did 14 punishments for weekly bets on our show. I served 11 of them. Good God, I'm nice. <laughs> I, Ron, went to Denver last year for Christmas. On my way back, Southwest Airlines, no, not my flight, Southwest Airlines shut down all operations nationwide for a day. For a day. Now, we Thank know you. that has since happened again, um, and I was not a part of that one, but uh, I earned myself the nickname BKO. So when I picked the Chiefs, everybody in our listening audience also said, all right, time to go bet on the Eagles. We That's did right. it. We did it, buddy. Look at us. Look at us. Who would have thought? <laughs> I just feel like BK is trying to ride your coattails right now. <laughs> uh, ride him. Ride him. Ride him. It's okay. My show curse has been documented for a clean seven years. For all seven. I, I'll be honest with you. There are moments in life I believed it myself. <laughs> As you should have. As you should have. What is going on around here? Honestly, the, the fact that Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs team was able to overcome you picking oh. them to win the Super Bowl is Before like... Before it started. Maybe the most impressive part. Just tell me. I saw the look in both your eyes when I when I did it. Oh. You all didn't know I was doing it. Panic. That is, panic. That Sheer not, panic. Not something we discussed before the show, was it? Just, just felt it in my heart to just let it out. I wanted it to be known. And listen, guys, while we're on, show being right. <laughs> Because I was, I'm telling you, man, I was, I was on a show being right heater. Uh, I told you exactly what this game was going to be about. And much like I'm sure you guys went on multiple different platforms to talk about this game. And the thing that I kept coming back to, and it's what we opened up the show with last week was, this game to me is about, would you rather have the best overall roster which like if we before the game went through it and just gave edges to hey offensive line defensive line secondary receiving core i think honestly before the game even all of us would have had more check boxes to the eagles but i said would you would you rather have the overall better roster or would you rather have the clear advantage at coaching quarterback and I think we all agreed. I know I said I'd rather have coaching quarterback because for the majority of the time I've watched this game, that's what this has been about. Nine times out of ten, whoever's got the best coach or quarterback usually wins. Or some kind of either historic thing is there to, to kill it or some kind of clear, clear advantage that cannot be overcome, you know, like Mike Rimmers. Uh, it could stop it, or you need the Ravens, or you, the Ravens defense, or the Seattle defense. Like that is generally the only time where another piece of greatness matches it. I didn't see that in this game, and boy was I right. Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, Matt Nagy. Some of you call him Charles because he did start Game Seven of the 1997 World Series for the, the, uh, the, the Cleveland, whatever they're called now. But also, big game defensive coordinator who stopped Tom Brady twice from Super Bowl, Steve Spagnola, that whole crew, they coached 
I mean, it was such a mismatch. I mean, the second half adjustments for for both sides, I mean, it wasn't even close. I'm not kidding. I started feeling sorry for John Gannon. I really did. I said, somebody get his ass out of here. Throw in the damn towel. Throw it in. And it was clear. And I think the Chiefs had the better quarterback, and we can get out there and, and talk about that later, but. This thing, the coaching advantage that many people just poo-pooed because they thought that the Eagles roster were so strong was clearly, clearly the difference in this game. Yeah, I, I think what we learned, Ron, is that the advantages that people thought the Eagles had in terms of the roster were overstated. Now, that's not to suggest that they didn't have clear advantages in certain spots. I think that their offensive line is better than what the Chiefs have on the offensive line. Preach I think their defensive thing. line is a little better than what the Chiefs have on the defensive line. But the Chiefs are better at quarterback. Chiefs are better at running back. Uh, they, the Eagles are significantly better at wide receiver. There's no doubt about that. Chiefs are That's better at tight end. Uh, Chiefs are better if you want to go like D-tackle and D-ends. Chiefs are better at D-tackle than the Eagles were in that game. Chiefs are better at linebacker than the Eagles were in that game. As much as people talked about the secondary and how great the pass defense was for the Eagles, man, if you're leaving that game, I think it might be a push if you're going just D-backs. Who's better in the defensive backfield between the Chiefs and the Eagles? It's close. And so when you look back on it and we we were, we like reassess, okay, where are those two teams? I think that the Eagles' defense, it was pretty good. And that makes what the Chiefs did even more impressive but I think people overstated what the roster differences were. And if the rosters were anywhere near close, man, that quarterback and coaching advantage was going to shine through the way that it did on Sunday. And that's exactly what we saw.